What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another brand new episode of This Week in Sports. As always, I'm your host, The Pody. It is Friday, January 14th, 2022. Um, so we're going to jump right in in just a second. It's it's around 9.40 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in Jersey. I'm getting this episode out. I'm, I'm doing it a little bit late. Things have been hectic. I was extremely tired this whole week between the national championship game. I stayed up to watch the Nets and Bulls game the other night. That ended after 12, like around 12.15. So I've just been real tired. So I did take a nap fell asleep when I got home because also my sister is moving or moved today and I have to drive up to help her finish setting up tomorrow with the rest of my family, etc. So I got to get a good night's sleep, but uh, I want to get this episode out in about the next 40 minutes or so recorded. 40, 45 minutes or so. It'll take me another 20 to 25 to get it uploaded and out to the masses so you guys can take a listen over the weekend. It is Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, of course, MLK Day on Monday. Okay. Um, I kind of, when I listen back, I, I hate when I say okay at the end of sentences. It's just, it, it's one of those, um, it, it's basically like saying um, um, um. It's one of those human things that people do because a lot of people say right as well instead of okay but anyway it's nearly 9 45 p.m i just finished showering and i'm ready to go the reason uh, i want to bang this out and i'm kind of rambling going a little fast is because the mavs are playing right at 10 o'clock you've got a, it's a good game between the mavs and grizzlies grizzlies hosting this one grizz have won 11 in a row i'll get to more on that later some stats there as well uh they've won 11 in a row they're shooting for 12 they just played last night and they barely won they were down with a couple minutes left before they come back came back and covered the spread which was like i think three and a half or so and um, I have an inkling that the Mavs are going to win this game and stop the streak here at 11. And I'm, I contemplated betting this, but I'm just too much of a chicken to do it right now because since last weekend, my picks have been failing, failing, failing down 250 after I was up to start the new year, uh, down 250. And then um, I did hit a Excuse me. I did hit a bet in the Nets Bulls game the other night for 50 plus a bonus of $14, which I just put on a parlay, which uh, I could go over later. Um, but, and I don't want to forget, there is a really cool promo going on for Barstool Sports. So pay attention to this. Um, do I have a sound for something important? Uh, no, not really. Okay. So anyway, uh, what I wanted to say is the promo on Barstool, bet $10. It's got to be a 16 parlay for all the wild card games, for all the playoff games this weekend. Because remember, we have two games tomorrow and we have a couple games on, uh, you know, on Sunday um, as well. And let me just pull up the schedule. Yeah, we've got games throughout the entire weekend. So that includes Monday as well, because we've got six games. Of course, the two one seeds with the buys. It starts off Raiders at Bengals, Patriots, Bills. And then you've got Sunday Eagles, Bucks, uh, Bucks hosting that. Of course, you've got Cowboys, Niners. You've got Chiefs, Steelers and Rams and Cardinals. Uh, they play on uh, Monday, the 17th. So games all throughout the weekend. Now, 
Um, what was I saying in terms of this? Okay, so we've got the six games uh, on the schedule. And, oh, the promo for Barstool. Yeah, you have to bet all six against the spread. So all spread bets. And uh, I'll, I'll make my picks later. So these spread bets, um, it's $10 bet. And I plugged in something. I didn't bet it yet, but it pays like $457. Okay, $457. If you hit that bet and get all six correct against the spread, you get a $1,000 bonus to your Barstool Sportsbook account. So hopefully you live in a state that has Barstool. Uh, I mostly bet in DraftKings, and I threw my 10 bucks into Barstool. I have yet to make those bets, but I will make those bets before kickoff tomorrow at 4.30. So anyway back to business. Okay. We had a wild weekend in the NFL teams, locking up playoff spots, teams, losing playoff spots. So let's jump right into this, to this bad boy and start with the game of the weekend. We all knew it was going to come down to Raiders chargers. One of them wins and gets in the only scenario where both of them get in was a tie. And it seemed like the entire world was rooting for a tie. There were people that had bets out there that bet on a tie. Um, it was insane. So to preface this, all the Colts had to do was win and get in against Jacksonville. And if you guys remember, I ended up betting the Colts, um, I don't know if I said that, but I, I I liked the Colts to cover that spread. It was like 13, whatever it was. It was Colts and Titans, okay? And I liked both of them to cover the spread. Titans were doing fine for in the beginning, and then they just blew it against the Texans, only one by three. So neither team covered. Not only did the, uh, did, did the Colts not cover, they got smoked out of the water, okay? So they, by losing that game, the Steelers won their game against the Ravens, as long as the Sunday night game did not end in a tie, the Steelers were now going to the playoffs and the Colts were eliminated. So I'll get to the Colts in just a second because they're not out of the they're not out of the loop just yet. Um, they're not out of the wrath of the Pody. So let's start. Raiders end up beating the Chargers in overtime 35 to 32. This game was absolutely insane. Again, stayed up till like 1230 watching this game. Uh, then there was the Monday game with with the national championship. It was a lot this week and last weekend. Uh, so it was absolutely insane. There were Steelers fans at this game and they were they were like in the last few seconds they were cringing because they saw a tie coming and we were about to get a tie okay but we have one Brandon Staley a first-year coach former Raider uh excuse me former um defensive coordinator of the Rams I am not a fan of this guy this guy as you'll hear Rex Ryan say in just a minute is like a division three coach going for it on fourth downs galore. If you remember earlier in the year against Kansas City, they won this game. They went for like a fourth and 10 or fourth and 15. It was an insane call late in the game, like four or five minutes left. And they got a lucky pass interference call. They tried um, a comeback route or a curl route. And there was a PI call, gave them the first down and they got, you know, they got bailed out and they won the game. The final drive, they were down eight. They went like six for six on fourth downs. Uh, it was in absolute mayhem on the final play of regulation. They score a touchdown. I think Mike Williams, they got the two point conversion and they sent the game to overtime. And then both teams kicked field goals in overtime. So the Raiders then got the ball back. They drove down the field and with a mere seconds left because you're in the situation now where a tie, you both get in. Okay, both teams get in with a tie at this point. So you don't want to be that team that loses. 
All right. And guess what? The Raiders seemed content. They're moving the ball, driving. They seemed content with letting this be a tie because you don't want to be the, 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 you know, the team that tries to run it and just run out the clock instead of kneeling it. And God forbid you fumble, you know, miracle at the Meadowlands type of thing. And the chargers run it back. Well, they were, they were about to run out the clock. It was going to be like a huge 50 something yard field goal, 55 plus maybe, which you figure the Raiders are not going to attempt this. Brandon Staley calls timeout on third down. It's like third and four. Why you're calling timeout is beyond me. They were going to run the play and then there would be no time on the clock more than likely. Okay. And he calls timeout. The Raiders, there was talk afterwards that that changed their mindset. They then said, oh, okay. They want to call timeout. They don't want to lose this game, huh? Or make it, they don't want to tie. Raiders then run the ball with Jacobs. He gets a solid six, seven yards, sets up a 47 yard field goal. And Carlson, who's never missed in that building, drills it. Raiders win, get the five seed, and they are now playing. Um, at Cincinnati against the Bengals in tomorrow's, the first game of the playoffs. And the Chargers, sadly, are eliminated. All right, so we have got to hear Brandon Staley's explanation on this first. So let's cue up Brandon Staley right here. I think this is it. Yeah, we needed to get into the right grouping. We felt like they were going to run the ball, so we wanted to get our best 11 personnel run defense in, um, make that substitution so that we could, you know, get a play where we would deepen the field goal. Derek Carr said after the game that that timeout changed their mentality. Do you think that had any reason to do with them? I don't think it changed their mindset because they were going to run the ball on the play before, and then they ran the ball the very next play. So we wanted to make sure that we got our run defense in there. Um, and we, you know, we obviously didn't execute well enough, but we wanted to get our premium one back run defense in here. And that's what we did. Was there, was any part of the motivation for you saving time to potentially win it if they were to miss that field goal? My mindset was to make the field goal as long as possible. Okay. So there you have it. Brandon Staley had to get our best run defense in the game. Yada, 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 just complete boneheaded move. This guy doesn't get it. And what I mean by that is he a lot. Well, first of all, it's not just a lot of these coaches don't understand clock management. I don't know if they don't understand the rules sometimes or they get caught up. There's too much going on, head coaching responsibilities galore and, and, and being a first year guy. But this is one of the worst calls in NFL history in sports history. OK, um, it made no sense. The Raiders, the, the game was over. It was going to end in a tie. Okay, it re it was. It, there's no doubt about it. T try to make the field goal as long as well. Why would the Raiders risk kicking a field goal from 55 plus that could have been blocked? Why was your your run defense? Your your defense was fine. Everybody in the world knew you, they were running the ball there. They ran it on first down, second down, and they ran it on third down. You don't. These are NFL players. You don't need to make call a timeout and bring bigger, fatter guys into the D line to stop the run. They were doing just fine. They they stopped them to. A a third and four, whatever it was. All they needed, one more play. You don't call timeout in those situations. Well, they called timeout, and the rest is history. Now, cue up somebody that has coached in the NFL, has been a head coach, has gone to two AFC championship games, has been a defense coordinator in this league. Here is what one Rex Ryan had to say about the whole situation with Brandon Staley. First off, we're being robbed 
as NFL fans so we don't get to see Justin Herbert in the playoffs. Who robbed us? Uh, the the guy with the – well, you know who it was, the dude with the Little small hat. hat. Little hat. <laughs> Little hat right there that has no clue. We talked about oh, – I'm going to – this is what he's done all year. Yeah, exactly. The, this guy coaches like he's a Division three coach that nobody cares about. Huh. All right? You've got – it's hard not to make uh, the playoffs with a franchise quarterback. But congratulations, you did it. How he faces his football team after this one is is – is incredible to me. Look, the Raiders were content. They were going to take the tie. Mm-hmm. They absolutely were going to take tie. But homeboy sit back. Time out. What? <laughs> no, what? Homeboy. What? Homeboy. What? Homeboy. What? <laughs> time out. You're brilliant with those timeouts. You got a way better football team than you got beat by, and you lost. You're at home. I, I, I just think it's it's. Uh, ridiculous. And, and here's the thing. People praise him. I'm old school. Rich, you're old school. This guy gets it. Yeah. This this dude, I mean, he, he, he has no idea. He's got no experience. He got nothing. And to me, you you inherited a team. All right. You, you know, you were born on third base. Think you hit a triple? Mm. That's his cat right here. <laughs> RC, the, no, all the time. I- yeah, so that that's enough of that. We don't need to listen to the rest of the other guys talking, but he is absolutely right. This guy was given the keys to basically a Ferrari. Justin Herbert is a stud in this league. He's going to be a stud for many, many years, and we are being robbed of him and Austin Eckler and the like. Austin Eckler turning into one of my, if not favorite player in the league. He carried my fantasy team this year. It came up just short, though. I should have been in the final, whatever. Anyway, um, he's absolutely right. The reason he gets praised, Staley, is because they converted every one of those fourth downs. He went for a fourth down in their own territory when they were down eight with like three minutes left and three timeouts that I thought was very questionable. Now, I'm a guy that's going for it. So most of the time I would go for it. And I tell this to my dad, but there's situations that I can feel. There's gut feelings and situations where you just know you have to live to play another day. And that means punt the football. They converted, but it th- there's other times in the game that I, I they didn't convert. And uh, they go for six for six, sure, but that's because they had to. The game was on the line at that point. There, there's no, uh, if we don't get it, we, we, we still, you know, get the ball back. No. So they got lucky in that sense, and they got really lucky all year. And there was a lot of games that they were inconsistent. They got blown out in certain games that they should have won and, and they shouldn't have lost. Um, so it, it's just, it, it's a really bad look, and his explanation is terrible. Here's the one thing that I found Brandon Staley, I would have said this is what I would have said I don't want to hear that the Raiders were gonna let this game end in a tie if they if we stopped him and this is if I'm Brandon Staley this is what I would have said if we stopped them and it was fourth and two or fourth and one they would have called timeout and they would have attempted a field goal you want to know why ladies and gentlemen members of the media everybody that doesn't coach football that doesn't have a clue that's just sitting on their couch okay that's captain hindsight If the Raiders tie, if they let this game end in a tie, guess who they're playing in the first round of the playoffs? That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The Raiders would be playing the Kansas City Chiefs, okay? The team that won the AFC the last two years that's probably going to win it again. By winning that game and beating us, Chargers, the Raiders have a manageable game as the five seed going on the road to the four seed Bengals. Now it's a great thing that the Raiders, you know, made the, made the playoffs with everything that went on firing John Gruden player after player, uh, having, you know, criminal, you know, issues, legal issues, 
Okay. All that stuff. It's just amazing. A longtime special teams coordinator coming in at, at as coach, you know, um, just phenomenal. They're not going to win the game regardless of, of who they play. That was basically, you know, they're going to be tired. They played that long-winded, you know, game. They did just enough to get in. That's it for, for the Raiders, more than likely. Um, but that's what I would have said if I was Brandon Staley. Not this BS about we were trying to make the field goal as long as possible and we needed to get our best run package in there. Go home, get on the couch. You just, how do you look your guys in the eye now and, and tell that, like, that's on you. That is on you. You could see Austin Eckler after the game, you know, they exchanged their jerseys with the other team. He was talking to Derek Carr, some other guys. You could see he asked them straight up. And even Derek Carr said that changed their mindset. You could see Eckler was like, Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Because all you want is just a chance. Get in and you have a chance, okay? So uh, just an absolute disaster. Uh, just, oh my God. Okay, um, let's get to the Colts very briefly. They're not out of the wind yet. I have something to say about the Colts, and that is shame on you. They're possibly going to get rid of Carson Wentz now. And granted, Carson Wentz played horribly, and this is mostly his fault. But I will say one thing, Carson Wentz, if you look at his numbers and everybody's going to say the Eagles won that trade because guess what? The Eagles are in the, in the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. That's BS. Eagles are not going to beat the Bucs. They're going to just be one of those teams that made the playoffs and didn't do anything. And now they have a middle tier draft pick and they're going to, you know, whatever. I said they were one of the worst teams in the offseason. Um, I was clearly wrong, but at the same time, was I like, they're not going to, they're not going anywhere. Cool. They made the playoffs, but when my team makes the playoffs, you know, once every 20 years or 10, 15 years, I want them to go far. And that's usually what happens with the jets. So let's look at, um, the numbers for Carson Wentz, by the way, they lost 26 to 11 to the Jaguars and mind you, both the Jaguars and Detroit lions won their games in week 18. And because the Lions won, they ended up losing out on the number one pick. So for two years in a row, the Jacksonville Jaguars get the number one pick in the NFL draft. And I love, love, love how everybody tried to blame Urban Meyer. Will I say Urban Meyer had his faults? Absolutely. First year guy coming in, you know, off the streets. He hadn't coached in a couple of years, only coached in college. Coming to that, you know, making that transition to the NFL is not always easy. Um, and he had some off field issues in a bar and yeah, all this other stuff with coaches and, and whatnot. But guess what, guys? It's not Urban Meyer's fault because the guy that took over their offensive coordinator, the only game they won was the final game of the season, this game against the Colts. So when you don't have good players, you don't win games. And sorry, Jaguars fans, you're ruining, you are ruining your future Hall of Fame quarterback, okay, your number one draft pick in Trevor Lawrence because he has not looked great all year. So anyway, Carson Wentz, yes, largely to blame for this game. He had a horrible fumble to start the third quarter. He threw an interception, but let's, let's, Let's not mince words, okay? Carson Wentz, I believe this was the game. It was this game or the last game. He had COVID and he cleared just in time to play. So you don't know if there was anything going on with that, brain fog, you know, any type of thing like that with Carson Wentz. But Carson Wentz on the season, let's not get it twisted. His season, he threw a 62.4 completion percentage, okay? Um, that's not great. But it's also his uh, 
tied for his third, the third best of his career. He threw for 3,563 yards, okay, 209.6 per game. Not great, but they, they didn't need him to do much when they had Jonathan Taylor. He threw 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions. And guess what? That's the second best mark of his career. Tied for the second best of his career. In 2019, he also threw 27 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Had a 93.1 QB rating that year. Well, this year he had a 94.6 QB rating. Okay, which is third best in his career. And guess what? This was his first year in Indy with his former offense coordinator, Frank Reich. So he did not play bad. You're not. I'm not blaming this entire season on... Uh, on this one instance and this one bad performance by Carson Wentz. Here's what I will say. Frank Reich got to go, okay? Frank Reich, his whole life has been a backup, right? He was a backup to Boomer Esiason at Maryland. He he was, um, you know, a backup in the NFL his whole career. Frank Reich has to go, all right? And the reason I'm saying that is because this guy, since he got to to Indy, it's been tough circumstance. I get it. He had Andrew Luck for like one year, and then he retires. Then they they had a whack year with with um with Jacoby Brissett where he regressed. They didn't make the playoffs. Then they brought in Philip Rivers last year, and they made the playoffs. So he's made the playoff two years out of four, and he's had a different quarterback every single year. So that's why he gets a pass. But I'm sorry, in 2018, I believe it was his first year. Frank Reich lost to the Texans. And he said he went for like a crazy fourth down in their own territory. And that's why they ended up losing the game. I think it was in overtime. And his quote, his exact quote was, we don't play to tie. We were going for the win. Well, please, Frank Reich, let me ask you this question, uh, you know, sir. How do you think the Steelers are feeling right about now? Because they had a tie against the Lions. And that tie is the reason that they are in the playoffs today and you are not. Oh my God. That's right. That's a truth bomb right there, Mr. Frank Reich. So again, somebody said this best on TV somewhere, maybe get up, whatever. They said it best. You have to sometimes realize that punting the ball is the right decision. There are times where I'm playing in Madden, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm literally one of those guys that will pretty much always go for it on fourth down. My mindset is this. If I have a fourth and say 20 and I'm on my one yard line or five yard line, if I punt it, they're at midfield already. They're going to be at like midfield and you know, they're going to practically score. If I don't get it, maybe there's a, you know, 10% chance. I somehow get a stop. They try to run it. I have a goal line package. I could stuff them. I could get a better stop than Brandon Staley. That's for sure. But if they score, great. They score in about five seconds. No skin off my back. I get the ball and I have more offensive possessions. But when you're in overtime, your mindset has to change. You have to play a lot safer, especially even in Madden. I take that to heart. So if I don't get it and I have a fourth down in my own territory, very, very few times would I go for it. And I know there's it's a huge risk. Madden defense is hard. If you don't, if you go for it, I literally lost a game. It wasn't overtime in a Madden tournament, okay, because I had a fourth and two, and instead of punting against the kid that was young, I was in high school. The kid had to be in middle school. I'm so mad to this day that I did this. I got eliminated because I had a fourth and two, 
And instead of punting and putting all this pressure on this kid's offense to score with like under 30 seconds left, I elected to go for it. And I tried to run up the middle with Vince Young to my Tennessee Titans back in the day. And I wasn't, I was still in a throwing motion and I wasn't, they didn't switch it to a run where you run with the quarterback and then he just takes off. And I pressed X to slide. I had gotten the first down and I threw the ball to it, threw the ball to my receiver. Maybe it was Kenny Britt or whatever, but I was past the line of scrimmage. It was a loss of downs. He ends up scoring like two plays later and I lose the game. If I would have punted in that situation, pressure's on him, not me. And I probably get an interception or whatever. He doesn't have enough time and I win the game, but I didn't trust my defense. And so for somebody to, to go for a fourth down like that, it's just so asinine. So I, 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 again, this is one of those games. Frank Reich and the Colts, they have not won in Jacksonville in four years, four or five years. That is an absolute abject disgrace. It's a total disgrace. And the season is an absolute failure. You robbed us of Jonathan Taylor in the playoffs. You robbed us from a good Colts defense, a turnover machine. All right. And, and it really is a shame that we don't get to see that. So I'm sorry. I get Frank Reich has had a tough go with different quarterbacks, but it is there is zero tolerance for a team not to win this game and get in the playoffs. It, it, it's disgraceful it is, is what it is. And I, I'm over it. And I'm over Frank Reich. I, I'm over it. Oh, my God. That would be the wrong one. OK, let's move on. All right. Where are we at here? Okay, the playoffs uh, are set. So let's just quickly go over this bracket because it can get very confusing. There is reseeding after the first round. So in the AFC, you have Tennessee is the one seed. They're on a bye because we added a seventh playoff team. The one and two seeds don't get buys. Just the one seed does. You have Cincinnati at Vegas. That's the 4-5 matchup. Okay. You have um, Buffalo hosting New England, that's the 3-6 matchup, and then you have Kansas City and Pitt. In the second round, Tennessee will play the lowest seed. So, if the Bengals beat the Raiders, if the Bills beat the Patriots, and if Kansas City beats Pittsburgh, that's all favorites. Then Tennessee plays Cincinnati because they are the four seed, the Bills are the three seed, Kansas City is the two seed. So Casey would play Buffalo. Now, say New England beats Buffalo, they're the six seed, so automatically they would go and play Tennessee. If in an upside down crazy alternate universe that Pittsburgh wins, they're the seven seed, they would then go play Tennessee. And the same goes for the NFC. The Packers have the bye. The 4-5 matchup is the Rams and Cardinals. That game's Monday night. You have Dallas-San Francisco. That's the 3-6 matchup. And Tampa Bay-Philly, 2-7. The lower seed will play Green Bay. Okay, so if all the favorites win, you will have uh, the Rams playing the Packers, Dallas playing Tampa Bay, and there you have it. Um, Just a quick recap. I spoke mostly about the AFC playoffs and the Chargers getting bounced and the Raiders getting in and the Steelers getting in and the Colts getting uh, knocked out. Let's quickly talk about the NFC. The San Francisco 49ers had their backs up against the wall. They were down 17-0 to the Rams. They needed to win to get in, much like the Colts. It was a win-and-get-in situation. Now, the Saints, mind you, were playing the Atlanta Falcons. 
they needed a win and they needed the 49ers to lose. So they were loving life. They're they're winning, blowing out the fa- Falcons, and they're seeing the Rams are up 17-0. Well, guess what? The 49ers completed a 27-24 comeback win in overtime to beat the Rams and the Excuse me, the Falcons, I mean, uh, the Saints ended up beating the Falcons 30-20, to 20, but they they got screwed because the 49ers won. And the 49ers are the better team, and I love all this talk at the beginning of the season. Oh, Jimmy G, we got to start Trey Lance now that we drafted him third overall. Jimmy G has been a solid, solid quarterback. There are a lot of teams in this league that would take Jimmy G as their quarterback. He took this team to a Super Bowl a few years ago, and if not for one pass— one pass, one deep ball to Emmanuel Sanders, they would have won the Super Bowl. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see the what the future holds for Jimmy G there. So that was an interesting uh, spot. So now the 49ers get to play Dallas. My most intriguing matchup of the weekend besides Bill's Patriots. Um, and speaking of the Bills, they ended up winning the division. They beat the Jets 27 to 10. Funny how that occurs because the spread was 16 and a half. On the flip side, the Patriots, they're an up and down team all year. They lost to the Dolphins 33-24 in Miami. So they get the wild card. But that is the number one matchup of the weekend. And that game is tomorrow night. Um, it's Bills, it's Patriots, it's zero degree weather, it's going to be cold, and let's just see if Mac Jones can pass the ball more than three times. Okay, um, let's move on. Let's talk a little basketball. Sunday night, obviously, I uh, previewed this on last week's episode, Clay Thompson, it was confirmed, make, making his debut in the NBA. It's been like 941 days. It, just absolutely insane. He ends up scoring 17 points in 20 minutes. He was a little shaky to start. His shot was not falling, but he had one really nasty dunk. He looked really good. If he could ramp up, get back to, to being uh, what he once was or even a little bit of, of, of that, then he'll be fine. He's a primo defender, um, and he looks to be just what the Warriors needed, although the Warriors have been a, sh- a little bit shaky. They lost brutally last night um, to to the Milwaukee Bucks, um, but then tonight it looks like they, 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 they spanked the Chicago Bulls. I did hear Zach Levine got hurt in that game, um, but, you know, Klay Thompson's back. They're taking it easy. He's not playing, you know, every game, but... Um, it's good to see the Splash Brothers back in action. Now, interesting nugget on this game. Draymond Green's on my fantasy team. I did not think he was playing. And then I turned the game on and find out he was in the starting lineup. He wanted to be in the game for Clay and be a part of that a start with him for his first game back. That he played he he was in the game injured. He knew he couldn't play. They had the tip off. He ran and, and fouled the guy, the point, the whoever had the ball in the backcourt, and then immediately subbed out and did not play. Well, guess what? That caused a little bit of a problem because there were many, many, many people that had prop bets involving Draymond Green. I saw one ticket that was a genius play. It's just oh, so perfect. I wish I would have thought about a thought of it. It had Draymond, it was a parlay, Draymond under five and a half points, under five and a half rebounds, under five and a half assists. He played exactly 10 seconds, fouled out, and didn't play. So that was a winner, winner, chicken dinner. I saw some books voided bets, other books paid bets out. So that's pretty cool. Just an interesting 
little nugget there. Very interesting. All right, I got to talk baseball. And a lot of you might not appreciate this take or might not like this take. Um, actually, one quick, one quick thing about the NFL draft. The NFL draft is now set. I spoke. The, the Jaguars get the one seed. Lions get the two seed. Jets and Giants both have two top 10 picks. You have um, the three seed goes to the Texans. Uh, the three seed. Three uh, the third overall pick is Texans. Jets get four. Giants get five. Panthers get six. Giants get si uh, seven. Falcons eight. Broncos nine. Jets get ten via that Seattle pick, and the Giants get the other second uh, seventh pick via Chicago. Um, so that's that. Now, to the point I wanted to make: the New York Yankees just did something so cringy that. I need to talk about it for a second. The Yankees made history Sunday by hiring the first female manager in minor league baseball history. So the Yankees hired a woman by the name of Rachel Balkovic as manager of the low A Tampa Tarpons, making her the first female manager in affiliated professional baseball. She is a former college softball player at New Mexico and Creighton, uh, not great schools, whatever, run of the mill. She's 34 years old, and she, after college, I guess, she got a job somehow as like a strength and conditioning coach or something with the Cardinals, just totally bizarre. Um, she's worked in baseball, like I said, since then, so about a decade. And before this, she was a minor league hitting coach in the Yankee system. And I, I'm sorry, uh, this, is a, this is a joke. This is an absolute, this goes back to the Becky Hammond thing, and thank God she didn't get an NBA head coaching job, but I don't care how old you are, I don't care how much you've played, You softball is not baseball, all right? It's just not. They, and, and it's laughable that she was a hitting coach, I'm sorry, because I've been around softball for many years. My sister played at the highest level of division, you know, division one, and I coach it. And I will tell you, these girls are not taught properly how to swing a bat. All right. They don't have any semblance of a top hand. A softball swing they teach is like this inside out, all arms type of thing. Don't get me started on any of it. There is zero chance that this woman knows more than any qualified male candidate. It is an absolute, I'm sorry, it's a joke. Sure, she's a, she, she probably is very knowledgeable, very much so. Go coach softball. She sounds like she would be a great division one head coach. So why doesn't she go and do that? Why do the Yankees have to make headlines and be this progressive? No, I'm sorry. The Yankees still make their players shave. The oldest rule in the book, all right, which that's one thing I'm actually against, but I get it. If I played for the Yankees, I would abide by the rules too because it's tradition. Tradition is not hiring a female manager at any level of professional baseball. The men are not good luck having walking in. You're going to walk into the men's locker room and bring the guys in and give a pregame prep uh, pep talk. Absolutely not. How is this going to work? The players are not going to respect her. She's not, she doesn't, she's not going to know as much as the players. I'll tell you that right now. She's not going to be able to teach them anything they don't already know. Okay, great. She's going to, 
be able to say, I picked up some stuff with the Cardinals. I was a hitting coach. I picked up stuff here. That's all well and fine, but I'm sorry. She doesn't know more than me and she doesn't know more than any qualified male that, that should be in this position. And, and that's, that's that. I'm sorry. I, I'm not, I'm not trying to be sexist. Um, but women should not be coaching male sports. That's that. Okay. And I get it's a double standard because men are allowed to coach women's sports, but let's face it at the start of the you know century, when sports first started, women did not play sports. And I know we've come a long way and it's great that females play sports. Obviously it's, it's amazing. Um, but they should not coach men. It's just, I'm sorry. They should not. And I did, I wholeheartedly disagree with this. You could put me, I could be the friggin' manager. I'm sorry. There, there's no way this woman knows more about baseball than I do. I'm 29 years old. I'll be 30 in May. I've been around baseball my entire life. My father's a Hall of Fame coach. Okay, I coach softball right now. I Making the transition from baseball to softball is not is not as hard as making a transition from softball to baseball. It's just not, okay? Um, and growing up playing softball at, at the level, she, I've seen Division One coaches. It is scary, okay? I've seen a Hall of Fame softball player turned coach, Hall of Fame Olympic Hall of Fame softball coach or softball player at UCLA turned college coach make one of the most ridiculous decisions I've ever seen on a softball field, having her team bunt when they're down like seven runs, giving away outs when you're losing. At what level is that a good idea? So I'm sorry, I don't care how good of a softball mind or softball player she was, you don't know enough about baseball to manage 20-some-odd-year-old men. Sorry. Love it or hate the take, I'm usually right. Uh, where are we now? Let's see. Okay, we got to get to the New York Giants real quick. They, much to the level of Brandon Staley's decision to call that timeout, Joe Judge had a similar one of his own. Take a listen. Let's pop this bad boy on. And Jacksonville with a 10-3 advantage on the Colts. Steelers lead Baltimore. A couple of scores will all be updated at the half. Interesting formation. I, I mean, really, you're at the four-yard line, and, and you you don't feel comfortable enough in your offense to be able to run a traditional play. I mean, I, I get the first one when you put yourself kind of backed up inside the one-yard line. I mean, this is sad. I mean, that, that is just a, a complete lack of confidence in faith of your offense to be able to execute coming off your end line. That yeah, so they ran a QB sneak on third and nine from like their own 10-yard line. Nobody, nobody does that. Here was Joe Judge's brilliant explanation. Can you, can you explain the thought process behind those uh, two QB sneaks you guys ran? Yeah, so we were backed up. We had a shot on the play action to get the ball out in the flat. Okay, we got to make the throw and hit the guy right there. Eli was open there. Would have been a good shot coming off the you know, goal line there to get us some yardage and get some space. And then ultimately, look, we're backed up. I want to get room. We're going to push it on forward. I wasn't going to live through what happened last last week in Chicago. So we're going to give ourselves room for the punt. 
We did that. We gave ourselves room for the punt. We protected it. We covered well. We played the field position situation I want to play. We held them on the next drive, and that's the way we want to go ahead and play that. Now, do we want to do that all the time we're backed up? No, but that was the situation of the day with where we were, and I want to make sure that, you know, the things that we had issues with last week in Chicago, that that was not going to repeat. Blah, 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 blah. That's a coach that's saying he has zero faith in his third-string quarterback who wasn't even on this team uh, a month ago. Do the place you everybody's you you've seen this the place was fired up, um, guys in the stands they queued to one fan who's screaming Joe Judge you're a a bleep, um, and it it was just just one of the worst calls ever. Uh, his, his, his the job he's done in the few years he's been here has not been good. Has he had good players? Absolutely not. But what an absolute joke that he's going to call a quarterback sneak on third and nine. Nobody, and I mean nobody, does that. So just absolute, absolute disaster for Joe Judge. Let us move on. Okay, so we had our national championship on Monday night. As everybody knows, maybe you don't know, I was taking Alabama. I'm of the mindset you never bet against Nick Saban in a national championship game. The one caveat, and I preface this, I put out um, an audio tweet right before the game, and I was taking Alabama at minus three, or I took, no, plus three. Alabama was plus three or whatever it was. I took the money line for Alabama. And I said, this smells fishy. I did say it was sketchy that the line was Georgia by three after Georgia had just lost to Bama 41-24 a few a month ago or whatever it was in the SEC championship. That was the one thing that worried me. The other thing was the fact that um Bama was a little bit banged up. No Mechie, okay. Um, their top corner, Josh Job, was out. And what happens early on? Okay, Bama can't get in the end zone, but they're kicking field goals. They have the lead. It's like 9-6, whatever it is. And there was a play in this game in, what, the second quarter that basically ended Bama's chances of winning. And that was a bomb over the middle, great throw by, uh, by Bryce Young to his top receiver that was left in, in uh, Jamison Williams. He tries to make a cut to break away past the defender, and he goes down. Terrible knee injury. It ends. I said it on the spot, torn ACL. That's what it ended up being. He was out for the game. They bring in this young freshman kid, I forget his name, number 84, and he showed some promise, but late in the game, I want to say it was the third or fourth quarter, Bryce Young, they were driving. He threw a beautiful, it would have been like a 30-yard completion, and the guy tried to turn his hands the wrong way, and he dropped the ball. I'm telling you, if if Jamison Williams does not get hurt, Alabama does not lose this game. Of course, they're, they're down eight. They have the ball, and that's when he tried to force it deep, and you get the pick six, so they lose 33-18. It looks a lot worse than it was, but Georgia, um, I give them credit, but under no circumstances would... Uh, Georgia win this game if Bama uh, does not lose Jamison Williams, really, or Mechie. And it's funny because both their top wide receivers toured their ACLs in the two meetings against Georgia. Just incredible. Um, Congrats to Kirby Smart, though. One of Nick Saban's former assistants finally beat Saban at his alma mater, no less, okay, because 
Kirby Smart did go to Georgia. And if you remember, he he lost. This was a rematch of the 2017 national title where he lost to Saban in heartbreaking fashion. Okay, so the third time's the charm here in this one. Um, it was incredible for what Stetson Bennett did, the Georgia quarterback who ended up, he's only about 5'9". Since he was three years old, he wanted to go to Georgia, had to go to junior college, come back. He was a backup some for some of this year to JT Daniels. Then he takes back over. Then they questioned after the first Bama meeting in this SEC championship game whether he should start the playoff game against Cincinnati, but he does well enough there. They let him you know, continue to start because he was their guy, and he got him to this point, and he, quite frankly, he balled out. Um, so he, they showed him crying. That was cool. After the game, he goes 17 of 26 for 224 and two touchdowns. It was just a gutsy performance. Um, it, it really was. And, and so kudos to them. And, you know, it was their first national championship since 1980. And I'm sorry if I'm one of these NFL teams, like the lions, like the Jags, like the jets, the giants, if you don't want to draft a bust in the first round with your first pick or one of those two picks that the Jets and Giants have, here's a thought. Take some guys from this game. That's all you got to do. There's nothing you don't need to watch tape. You don't need to scout. You just take the no-brainer players that were in this game because those are the best players in the country. And if I'm the New York Jets, I am taking that outside linebacker from Alabama because talk about an absolute stud. Um, I'm forgetting his name actually now, but let's see. Um, number 31 on Alabama is an absolute stud and I would take him all day long, all day long. Okay. So, um, I'm going to find him right here. Hold on because he, uh, let's see. Defense, defense, defense. Yes, duh. Will Anderson, that boy, he was a difference maker in that game. He, I mean, are you kidding me watching that game? He was a stud. And I don't think he's a top 10 pick according to the experts right now. I would take him, I would take him fourth overall if I'm the Jets. Right now, the Jets are projected to take the, t uh, the, the, the corner from LSU. No, 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 no. You take Will Anderson with one pick and you go back with your second pick and you need they Jets need to address the wide receiver core. They need a wide receiver. Shout out to Braxton Berrios, who was named first team all pro kick returner today, by the way. Okay, so congrats to Georgia. They are your national champions. Okay. Let us move on. All right. I talked about the uh, Rachel Balkovic getting hired by the Yankees. Well, the Toronto Blue Jays followed suit. They hired Jamie Vieira to be a minor league hitting coach a day. Yeah, this was a day after the Yankees did this. So whatever. This is um, she's the first female coach the Blue Jays have hired at any level. I would expect so because it's not a normal thing. So why are we doing things that are not normal? Hmm, maybe because we live in a media crazed world and they're doing it for attention. Next up, keeping it in baseball, Juan Soto's younger brother, Elian, if I'm pronouncing that right. Soto, 15 years old. He's apparently a stud superstar in the making. The Mets were in the running to get the rights to him. Some, Of course, it's the Mets, so something fell through. And guess who signs him? Washington. The Nats, where his older brother Juan plays. 
Um, they can't officially sign him for another year, actually January of next year. But this was clearly a move to try to keep Juan Soto because this team is in a complete rebuild. He's their best player. So maybe this entices them to keep Juan. We'll see. Um, the CFP playoff expansion is a no-go. The committee apparently met and they could not come close to an agreement on expanding the playoff. Here's the guy, here's the deal, guys. Let's just expand this damn thing to 64, like in March Madness. Do you know the revenue that they would make? It would be absolute bananas. Bananas. Oh my God, would that be fun? And if they don't want to go up to 64, which is a bit excessive because players playing extra games that they're not used to could, could culminate in more and more injuries, go to at least expand this thing to 16. 16 seems like a good, solid number, in my opinion. I would keep it at 16. All right, we had Black Monday, we had Black Tuesday, we had Black Wednesday, and we had Black Thursday. And if you don't know what that is, it's the day after the season or the week after the season ends in the NFL and and coaches get fired. The Bears fired head coach Matt Nagy and general manager Ryan Pace. The um, Let's see, the Vikings did the same. They Out goes Mike Zimmer and general manager Rick Spielman. Kirk Cousins could be next. Uh, Giants general manager Dave Gettleman, he retired. Okay, um, they let him go gracefully, I guess. And... Uh, the following day on Wednesday, Joe Judge was fired. I'll get to more on that later. The Dolphins, in a stunning move, fired Brian Flores, who won eight of his final nine games this season after a one and seven start. Brian Flores, actually, I saw earlier today, he is getting interviews with other teams. So keep an eye out for Brian Flores because a lot of players around this league believe he is a good coach. And I will tell you, he is a good coach. He never made the playoffs, but come on, it's the Dolphins. They've been miserable for a while now. Um, who else was fired? David Culley got fired on Thursday. I, I'll talk about that a little bit more later. Uh, but yeah, it was not a fun week for, for if you were an NFL coach. Okay, let's move on. And let's talk about the Grizzlies-Warriors game the other night. This was a classic... I want to say Grizzlies were like, it was like a one and a half point spread. And I had an inkling. I had one of those feelings that the Grizzlies were going to beat the Warriors in this game. Cause I want to say Clay didn't play in this one. Well, they win by eight, 116 to 108. They're the hottest team in the NBA right now. John ja Morant might be an MVP favorite. He scored 29 points. Um, Memphis is legit. They are now up to the three seed in the West after being projected like one of those fringe playoff teams, maybe going to be in that play-in um, tournament. They're up to a third, just three games back of the top spot. Um, Steph had a good game in this one, 27-point triple-double. During this 11-game win streak for uh, the Grizzlies, here are some of the teams they've beaten. The Lakers twice. Phoenix, Brooklyn, Cleveland, Golden State, Minnesota, all playoff contenders. Just ridiculous. And outside of the Cavs and the Bulls, you have to say that the Grizzlies are the biggest surprise in the NBA. It's it's crazy. They Like I said, that, that game against Dallas, that is on right now. Um, let's double check the score, see if I'm, you know, see if I know a little something or not and see how that game is going. 
Wow, the Hawks are tied at 118 with the Heat. I texted my buddy who's a Heat fan today, and I said the Hawks were going to win that game because it's a rematch of a game they just played the other night. And usually in rematches, when one when it goes poorly one day, you win the next. Um, wow, Grizzlies are up nine. Ah, it's still early, though. It's it, two minutes, seven seconds left in the first quarter. Um, but yeah, the Grizzlies are up nine. So maybe I am drastically wrong about that. But again... I don't, I, that was, I did, that was my prediction on the Grizzlies losing this game hinged on the Mavs starting everybody. So Doncic, okay, so no Porzingis. So that's going to be tough in, in and of itself, but we'll see what happens. Um, I'm very intrigued by that Hawks and Heat game though, because I almost parlayed the Hawks and Mavs and that would have been a, a dirty, that would have been a great payout. Um, How's Trey Young doing? Let's see. Jesus. Jalen Smith on my fantasy team had no points but 12 rebounds. Vucevic got me a double-double. Trey Young has 24 points, 9 assists only. I need that double-double. All right, so anyway, interesting. So, yeah, Grizzlies hottest team in the NBA. They're winning right now. All right, let's. Uh, there's one quick nugget I want to talk. Actually, no, let's just move on from this. Um, I don't want to talk about all this stuff. Okay. All right, Joe Judge out. I just spoke about that. Let's get to some of the numbers. Joe Judge thought he was going to stay on after Gettleman le- uh, retired. That was not the case. Okay. Um, the franchise is in full disarray. We don't know the status of Daniel Jones. Will he be back? Won't he? Chances are he will not be back. New GM is going to come in with a new coach, and they're going to blow this thing up. Who knows if they try to trade Saquon? I don't know what you're going to get for him, but let's face it. Um, Judge is now out. He went on that 11-minute diatribe you know, right before this final game, taking shots at Ron Rivera. Really not a good move for a guy that is going to be having to lean on some of his NFL connections to try to get a job um, as a coordinator or something somewhere. But Joe Judge in three years went 10 and 20, uh, excuse me, two seasons, went 10 and 23. He's the first Giants coach to lose 13 games in a season. And he basked in this misery, according to TMZ, by ordering nine pizzas, and all the beer you can drink because it was so much it had to be dollied in on a hand truck. Um, here's an interesting one. The Broncos are now for sale after a months-long legal battle over the potential sale. It has been resolved, paving the way for new owners. Really cool. Former Broncos quarterbacks John Elway, who is their president now, and GM John Elway and Peyton Manning have expressed an interest in being part of a new ownership group. Hey, if they could if they could get together and and pull a couple billion dollars out of their out of their pockets, I know Peyton probably has that and Elway made has made a a good amount of money in his day too and he currently works for the team, so that would be an interesting one. College basketball. We're in the new year now. March is just around the corner. Before you know it, it will be here. March Madness will be here. This has got to be one of the craziest seasons so far. There are now zero undefeated teams remaining in men's college basketball after number 19 Texas Tech upset number one Baylor 65 62 on Tuesday. So your guess is as good as mine who's winning this whole thing. 
All right, let's move on. Next up, there are six head coaching uh, openings in the NFL right now after David Culley got canned, which I think was a complete joke. They never had any intention, in my opinion, of keeping this guy past the year, but he's going to get paid, so it's fine. Um, like I said, there are six jobs opening. You have Broncos, you have Bears, you have Vikings, you you, you have Giants, um, and there's two more. You have Texans, and uh, there's one more in there. Uh, I mean, Jaguars are in there. They're looking for a coach as well. Whatever. You know the six teams uh, that fire their coaches. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see who gets hired, where they're all doing their due diligence and they're all interviewing um, candidates and coordinators, et cetera, et cetera. Let's go to uh, the quote of the week. I saw this in The Athletic. Ben Roethlisberger, of course, they are now playing the Kansas City Chiefs. That's the biggest spread of the weekend. 12 and a half point underdogs to the Kansas City Chiefs. Here's what Big Ben had to say. A little perplexing. Tell me what you guys think uh, of this. We haven't discussed it, but I think, um, you know, I would assume as a group you understand that, you know, we probably aren't supposed to be here. We're probably not a very good football team. We're the, out of 14 teams I think are in, we're probably number 14. Um, we're a double-digit underdog in the playoffs. So let's just go play and have fun and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, we're probably 20-point underdogs, and we're going to the number one, te- the number one team that's, I know they're not the number one team, but they're the number one team that's won the AFC the last two years. Um arguably the best team in football um we don't have a chance so let's just go in and play and have fun interesting take i'm sure he said that to try and motivate his teammates but they are he's not far off there they opened as 12 and a half point uh underdogs i think that's uh pushed a little bit higher to like 13 um I'll t- I'm going to try to get I'm going to get that before it hits that 14 mark 13 and a half is fine. I think this is a complete blowout. Steelers much like the Raiders are just happy to be in. Big Ben gets one more game um to see where this thing goes. And I think he assumed his career was over, did not think that they would make it into the playoffs. They had a ridiculously low uh percentage chance of making it. That now they're in. He gets one more game and he's just I think there's some truth to what he's saying. He just wants to go out there and enjoy this and, and let this be the last um, game of his career. So I, I do look for them to get blown out because that offense is is pretty bad. Um, I, maybe they'll hang, you know, maybe TJ Watt will, will keep them in it for a little bit. But um, no, I think their luck has run out for sure. All right. Some th- this whole saga with, 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 with the Joker. Um, Novak uh, Djokovic, Djokovic, um, he nabs the number one seed at the Australian Open, despite him probably not being able to play. So, so uh, I mean, it, it's just a whole mess. I, I'm going to come back to that um, because it just gets messier and messier. Judge get, granted him, uh, you know, the visa and just back and forth. So we'll get to that in a second. Here's exciting news. Really exciting news. Netflix is set to make a PGA-focused documentary series um, very similar to their Drive to Survive. That was the one I mentioned a couple weeks ago about the Formula One racing, which I do really want to go and watch that. Um, that really catapulted F1 into the mainstream. This is a, this is a, uh, this is a home run. 
This is a no-brainer. The PGA features the likes of Brooks Kepka, uh, DeChambeau, Mickelson, all these big-time personalities. Who wouldn't love to see this on a in a Netflix documentary? I've, Dustin Johnson's another one. Spieth, uh, Justin Thomas, when he's mic'd up, some of the stuff he says gets himself in trouble. More, you know, just some of the, and golf is at the point now where it's as exciting as it's ever been because there's not one totally dominant player. Tiger Woods isn't dominating for year after year after year. So it's a very wide open field. So I'm excited for this. I, I would love to see this. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers will be without Damian Lillard indefinitely. Uh, Wednesday, he uh, had abdominal surgery and he will like I said, be out indefinitely. Not a very good start for Chauncey Billups in his first year. They've been without CJ McCollum for like over a month now. Um, they're 16 and 24, only one game ahead of the Sacramento Kings for the last spot in the play-in tournament. Now, there's been a lot of questions about what they're going to do at the trade deadline, whether they trade Dame, whether they trade for Ben. I think it's more likely that they trade for a guy like uh, Ben Simmons than trade away Lillard. But at this point, I just don't know. All right, let's move on. We're almost done here. All right, let's get back to uh, Djokovic here. His visa was canceled again. So... Obviously, he's the world's number one tennis player. He's trying to defend his Australian title, uh, Australian Open title, for from last season, uh, last year. The Australian Minister for Immigration, Alex Hawke, announced early Friday that his visa would be canceled now for a second time. This was after like a judge granted him the visa, you know, after an appeal. Um, this now comes, yeah. After the initial cancellation last week filed by a successful appeal to have it reinstated, he can appeal this again, but the tournament starts Monday. So this has to be very quick. He's been stuck in Australia. He has been practicing. There's been sightings of him. It's just, uh, it's a whole, it's a whole ordeal and a whole mess, but I, I'm very intrigued by the whole thing. Let's see what happens. All right, Major League Baseball submitted a proposal to the Players Association on Thursday on core economics for a new central bargaining agreement. Here's the good news. The sides talked for the first time since December 2nd. I guess that's a little bit encouraging. The bad news, players, of course, were not happy with the proposal. And it looks as though the distance between the two sides is so large that we should not expect spring training and possibly the season to even start on time. So this is rough. Um, this could be a problem for MLB The Show's release for MLB 22 um, because obviously, like, they're not going to be able to use player likeness names. I, I mean, I, I, I this is a, just a disaster. The sport does not need this. They're waning as it is, struggling with the youth of America. Um, it's just, it's not good. And really, we don't know what the issues are um, or how they're going to get to an agreement. Minimum salaries, draft tweaks, arbitration changes, service time. I, I mean, they're miles apart on this stuff. The last time we had a situation like this, what was it, 94, 95 seasons, um, where they ended up having to use minor league players when there was a lockout? This is bad for the sport. 
this is bad. I don't think it'll get to that point that it was back then, but this only propels football and basketball that much more up the, uh, you know, up the rungs on the ladder and, and baseball is, is sliding down that ladder. Okay. It, it's not a good look. Um, it's not good for baseball at all. Now, this has some ramifications for one Japanese superstar, Saya Suzuki, who is set to sign with a team, but he's he needs this lockout to to end. Once an agreement is reached, um, he has no relation to Ichiro. He will probably sign for around five years, sixty million. He models himself after Mike Trout. Let's please hope he does not go and join that Angels team. Please, we don't need him and Otani and Mike Trout together. Um, he he, but he does model himself after Trout. Um, he hit thirty-eight bombs last season, so uh, just a name to watch out for in terms of international signees. All right, obviously, the number one sporting event on this weekend is the playoffs. We start tomorrow with two games, 4.30, 8.15. The first game, Bengals hosting Raiders. The spread is five and a half. It was four and a half, it's five and a half. Excuse me. The safest bet in this game is to bet the over, in my opinion. Last I checked, it was 49. It's probably at 50 or more. Take the over. If you're doing that 16 parlay, for Barstool, it's it's uh, Bengals minus five and a half, no brainer. Raiders, they're exhausted. They they they're just happy to be here. First time in the playoffs with Derek Carr. The season they had, it, it's just a great story. But this is where it ends. Next up is the Patriots at the Bills. That is uh, eight fifteen tomorrow on CBS. Like I said, let's see if Mac Jones can throw the ball more than three times. Of course, these two teams split. Well. Interesting that the that the weather is going to be about zero degrees at kickoff, one of the coldest games in history. And it was said that Josh Allen, out of 42 quarterbacks, he's 41 in terms of like really cold games and passing. Take a listen to this clip on ESPN. Now, I spoke to Josh Allen over the phone about how he's going to handle the cold weathers, because here's the issue with Josh Allen. Over the last 15 years, he's the second worst completion percentage in the NFL in freezing temps. The guy hates the cold. He doesn't play well. And he says the reason is because he's got bad circulation. So his toes get cold. And as you know, with your can feet. I, can I get you a suggestion for him? You want Josh to... Allen listening? Can people get this message to him? Viagra. Take some Viagra for the game, baby. Got to fit that circulation going right. I, I don't so, know how to move uh, off of that. I don't have any medical background, so I can't. I don't really have a, a response to that. But you, you play, so the, you must know of, something. Uh, a lot of us take Viagra, right? Because Viagra opens up the blood vessels. A lot of us take Viagra. What do you mean? A, a lot, lot of a lot of NFL <laughs> players, at least in my day, took Viagra because it opens up the blood vessels. A lot of endurance athletes because Viagra was first uh, a heart medicine, right? So it builds up circulation, which makes sure that it gets the circulation to the feet. Okay. Uh, so, these statements have not okay. been uh, evaluated. By <laughs> you you I, I was going to go Buffalo, like just go wings, extra hot, but, but you know, you seem to, to have a better What were we talking about? The, 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 I swear the, I'm not the thing to be funny. Is, he's going to just, he, I don't think he's going to necessarily be taking Viagra from what I could tell through the conversation. He didn't share that with me, but he did say he's going to be standing next to heaters when the defense is out to keep those toasts. He'll be hot. <laughs> so there you have it. Bart Scott's solution. 
take some Viagra. There may be some truth to that, to be all, to, to be totally honest. Um, I wouldn't mind him taking that advice because, as you heard in that clip, over the last 15 years, he's second worst in these cold-weather games. That's a problem. The line here is four, though. Um, I, I know the Bills are the better team, and I just pray that they can cover because it would be a travesty if we have to witness the Chiefs playing the Patriots. That would That's not going to be good for anybody. Um, the next game up is the Eagles at Bucks. Spread is 8.5 there. That's 1 p.m. Sunday on Fox. Um, you know how I feel. I picked the Bucks to win the Super Bowl. I don't think they're going to get it done this year with the injuries and the stuff off the field with, you know, on the field with A.B., losing him as well. Um, but the Bucks here minus eight and a half. That's a little bit high for my liking, but I cannot justify going in, you know, betting against Brady with the spread here. I think they might just cover it. Um, and I think they they win this game and cover that. Uh, okay. Next up, you have 49ers at Cowboys. This is 4:30 Sunday on CBS. I've been back and forth all all day on this. Here's my feeling: the spread has dropped. <clears throat> excuse me, the spread has dropped. Um, from what I last saw, I think it was at three and a half. It's come down to three. That means people are betting the 49ers and the consensus from a lot of people I'm seeing is that it's the 49ers. This is the pick. And I was on board with that at the beginning, but the more I think about it, the more I thought that this might just be the Cowboys, uh, you know, season. This might just be it. So I'm flipping my pick to Cowboys. Okay. I'm taking Cowboys. This is scaring me because I'm going to end up probably taking every favorite with these spread picks. And that's the chances of that hitting are, are slim to none. Um, so I hate to say it, but I'm taking Cowboys now. The next pick is Steelers at Chiefs. The line here is 12 and a half. It's up to 13 now. Last I checked, like I said, Chiefs all day. Nothing to really talk about there. Um, they might get CEH back. Uh, he was limited on Wednesday. Then uh, Thursday, I believe, he did not practice, so we'll have to check in on that, but they should be fine. Final game on Monday, you have Rams minus four hosting the Cardinals. Both of these teams kind of limping in, but I don't trust the Cardinals one bit. I will take the Rams in this game, and, and if you want to look at the numbers, these are two division rivals. This is a really good game. Um, it's unfortunate that these two teams have to play each other. If you want to look at the history this season, okay, they played each other, and against the Rams, they lost 20, uh, 30 to 23. Oh, they only played the Rams once this year. No, twice. Okay, they yeah, that's right. They beat the Rams in the first matchup, 37-20. But that was when the, the the Cardinals were full on healthy. They were rolling. That's they get were like nine and zero, whatever it was. So they split this year. The Rams minus four. I think Cooper Cup is too much, and I think Matthew Stafford is the better player here. And I'll take the Rams minus four. So those are my picks, guys. Um, that's a little scary that I'm taking every single one of the favorites, but it is what it is right now. Um, I'm going to bet this a couple times, maybe. Um, I took a bet on DraftKings with my $14 bonus. I did every game minus two and a half for the, for the, basically the teams that are supposed to win. And then I did 49ers plus seven and a half. It pays out like 150, so it's not too bad. Um, last but not least, I just wanted to uh, touch up on the Texans firing David Cully. I spoke about that a little earlier. He had no chance. 
Um, no Deshaun Watson, whatever. He did as best as he could, and they didn't finish last in the league. They finished third, or second in the AFC, and third overall in terms of the draft. So, But, hey, he's laughing to the bank because he will get paid $22 million for his one year in Houston. And then finally, let's talk um, about the NBA. Uh, NBA fan voting uh, came out yesterday in terms of all-star voting. And uh, DeMar DeRozan and Kevin Durant are the leaders after the second round of fan votes. Uh, excuse me, Steph Curry, LeBron James as well are up there. Um, DeRozan has been unbelievable. He has absolutely has to be in that MVP conversation. What he has done, excuse me, for Chicago has been miraculous. He is like the mid-range god. He's the first player in history to hit buzzer beaters in back-to-back days. Larry Bird once did it, but it was not back-to-back days. It was back-to-back games. So just ridiculous. Although they did get smoked by my Nets recently the other day. So there's that. Um, So finally, you know, last but not least... We have on this date in sports, as we usually do. Um, So, let's see. On this date in sports, give me one second. I thought I had it pulled up. All right. Um, Today being January 14th, 2022. Sorry about that. January 14th. We'll take it back, what, nine years ago. January 14th, 2012. Tom Brady joins Daryl LaMonica in 1969 and Steve Young in 1995 as the only quarterbacks to throw six touchdowns in a playoff game. I surprisingly did not know that. But that, to me, is a is an awesome stat. Really cool one. Um, all right, guys, that's gonna wrap this show up. Uh, it, it did not. I did not even come close to um, keeping this within the forty five minute mark. Um, so I kind of hate myself for that. Um, let, I just want to double check this Grizzlies game before I go. Okay, there we go. Dallas has cut cut it to one with 425 left to go in the half, in the first half. So like I said, Dallas is right there. And let me please hope that the Hawks did not win because if this parlay hits, I'm going to be so mad and that I did. Okay, Heat won. Heat ended up winning by six in overtime is what it looks like. So I'm okay with that because I would have busted that parlay. I think the Heat ended up covering the spread. It might have been like five and a half. But anyway, um, this weekend, besides football, if you're trying to catch up on some television, um, Euphoria season two came out. If you're into that, um, this demographic probably has no clue what that is. That was probably a really bad one. Uh, there's a good show documentary show series on Netflix called cheer. It's about a, uh, a small Texas college, Navarro college, junior college. You're like number one in, in cheerleading. And I never respected cheerleading in like high school and all that stuff. This is legitimate. This is a legitimate sport. People getting hurt, um, it, so it, it's actually fun. It, it's a cool show it, the, the coach is this female badass. Um, so the season two just dropped. I might try to catch some of that. Um, yellow jackets, Dexter. If anybody watches Dexter, what an ending to that, to, to the reboot there. 
I'm not going to spoil anything, but I don't want to keep you guys any longer. So um, that'll wrap this thing up. Let's let's go win some money this weekend. I need to make up some, that's for sure. Uh, not been a great start to the to the new year. And if you're in the if you're in the Northeast and you're looking uh, at a nor'easter, small one probably Sunday into Monday, um, hopefully those conditions aren't too bad and we have the day off Monday so you could uh, you know get the snow shoveled up and and cleared out for Tuesday commute. So that'll wrap things up, guys. Hope you hope everybody enjoyed. I will see everybody next week. Pody out.